found a pair of, of blue jeans for me. I, I'd went somewhere else to grab some stuff for the church. I, I found her back up in the, the clothes section of uh, Sam's. I think we talked about that one other time that you can't go to Sam's without at least walking through the clothes section. And, and I found her there, and, and she held out a pair of jeans. And I, and I think I said to her, and I, I quote, uh, she said to me, hey, what do you think of these? And I think I said to her, and I quote, I don't need any jeans. I've got two or three pair. I'm fine with wearing those. And, and so she looked at me with a disgusted look and dropped them back in the shopping cart and proceeded to buy them. So, so she, she bought these jeans. I took them home, tried them on uh, in the bedroom. She said, oh, those look really nice on me. And I took them off, pulled them up, and kind of threw them in a corner. And uh, on, uh, on Monday night, I was packing. I was down Joplin for a couple of days, Tuesday and Wednesday, at a conference at Ozark Christian College. So when I packed, I... I, I looked at those jeans folded up there, and I thought, I'll throw those in and wear those the second day. So I tossed them in my bag. and So, so I got up Wednesday morning in the motel room. My, my, bro, my son Brian was at the conference. We were sharing a room, and I, I got the jeans out, and they still had the tags on them. So I took the tags all off. I put them on, and you know, they felt good, and they, I would have to be honest, they looked kind of nice, I thought. I don't really care, but they did kind of look nice. and So I put them on, and Wore them all day when I was at the conference. I got, I got home, I don't know, about 8.30 or 9 o'clock on Wednesday night from the conference. I hadn't hardly walked in the, the, the house, to, and, and Rita greeted me, and we were in the kitchen. And, and I turned to get something out of the refrigerator, and I heard Rita say, oh, Tim. And uh, my first thought was, do I have something? And then, then I thought, no, I, mis- I misunderstood her. She, she saw me from behind and was thought, oh, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> Those do look really good. Uh, that wasn't it either. <laughs> she, she walked over and reached down and grabbed my leg, and I felt a ripping kind of sound. And she pulled that tag that says 3632 that's, that's on the back. So, so I realized I had walked around my alma mater all day long Wednesday with the tag telling people what size jeans I wore. Um, I uh, I'd missed I'd missed it. I I'd taken the tags off that morning, and and I I I, I thought of that tag because I've, I've I've done that before. Anyone else done that? As any, thank you. I'm not. All guys raise their hands. <laughs> Ladies, would you take when you buy us stuff? Would you take the tags off for us? Because obviously we're we're uh, uh, unable to do that. But uh, I I thought I'd taken off the tag, but I had I had missed it. Now, I, I'd walked around all day, and no one had said a word. I, I'm sure people saw me. I'm wondering if someone didn't see me and think, oh, that poor man. There's probably some ladies that his wife didn't take care of him very well, did she? And, but, but certainly I had, had missed the, the thought. I, I, I wonder this morning when we look at the passage, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to, to Psalm chapter 61, if if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a pew Bible in the uh, uh, in the the pew song rack there. That that it'll be pretty close. It's the New International. It's almost it's a newer version of it, so it almost matches word for word for what I'll be reading here this morning. But 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 turn to Psalm 61, and and here's the reality. I I read Psalm 61 years ago. In fact, in my Bible. I have it underlined in a yellow highlighter, and I know I highlighted it years ago because it's faded, so you can barely see that I that I highlighted these verses. Uh, 
But years ago when I highlighted them, I missed, I missed it. Um, when I decided I was going to look at the verses for today's sermon, I, I read this passage actually several times, kind of getting my, my thoughts together and, and what direction I wanted to go. And, and I'll be honest, for a long time as, as I was reading those verses, I missed it again. So, so follow along with me from Psalm chapter 61. We're just going to look at the first four verses. And I'm just kind of curious when you read it if, you, if you're going to miss it as well or if it's only me. Look at Psalm 61, 1 to 4. Here, here's a Psalm of David. David says there, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. My, I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Uh, did, you, did you miss it? I, uh, I, I mentioned I was at the conference with my son, Brian, and uh, I spent a good part of Wednesday with him, and I, I wonder if, if he saw it and just didn't say anything to me thought, man, I am going to let dad embarrass himself. Or, or maybe he didn't see it. And, and the reality of this is true. If, if you miss the point, if you miss this, it's okay. Be, because if you miss what, I, what I'm pointing out this morning, the, the verse is still powerful and it's still impactful and it still speaks to us even if you missed it. But did you read this psalm through these eyes? Did it appear to you that David was writing when, when, he, when he started out, hear my cry, O God, was, what were the eyes that you read that through, the eyes that, that seemed as if David was crying out in despair? D- did you think David is, is in a terrible place and he feels like God is not listening to him? And, and it's only natural to think that because he starts it out by saying, here is my prayer. And, and it's a natural place to go there because Many of the psalms that David uh, wrote for us and are recorded in this book, many of his psalms kind of come from an area like that. In fact, a few weeks ago, we started this series in Psalm chapter 3. Uh, we, we read at, at, in chapter 3 of Psalms, verse 1, says, Oh, Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me? And I pointed out then that David, when he wrote that psalm, was writing from a place where, where he didn't know if God was hearing him. He didn't know if God was answering his prayers. He didn't know if God was even listening to him. So, so it's only natural for us, for our minds, and, and that's, that was the case with me, for my mind to go to that place when I read, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer, that David was writing from a place of despair. Now, now the truth is, we pointed this out a few weeks ago on that, that passage, it, it, it actually is very comforting to know that David wrote some of his psalms from that place. Because I've been there before, and I think you have as well. There's times where we find ourselves in the pit. We find ourselves in despair. We find ourselves discouraged. We find ourselves asking why, and, and it appears that God's not there. And if David, who, who God described as a man after his own heart, if David could, could think that sometimes too, if David could doubt that God was there, if David could doubt that God was hearing his prayer, if David could feel like he was talking to a wall, then, then actually I find some encouragement that, that maybe I end up there sometimes as well. Uh, I thought it was written from that place, but I missed it. 
See, I don't think that's where David was writing from at all. It's okay if he was. There's still encouragement for us. But, but how differently, how differently does these, do these verses read? It, if we change the, the lens that we see it, if we change the lens from David writing from a place where he didn't know if God was listening to instead that David might have been writing from a place where he was confident that God was listening. So, so when he says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer, it wasn't a cry to God, I hope you listen, but instead a statement of faith. In fact, let me just reread one of the verses, because verse 3 kind of unlocks this passage. I think I finally, I finally saw verse 3, and I realized, okay, that's, that's not what's going on here. David's coming from a different place. Look at verse 3. For you have been my refuge a strong tower against the foe. Right in the middle of this psalm that that appears that David is writing from a place of despair, David is making a statement of confidence that he remembers that God has been with him. So I think David's David's thoughts here this morning come from a whole different place that I had missed. missed. So so let's let's walk through just these four verses this morning, and we're going to see three things that, that David states, three literally positive statements that David shows us Here's the first one, and I think this is what he's saying. He's saying to himself, and he's saying to us, first of all, you listen. You listen. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. I think that is a, that is a statement of faith that, God, that David is saying, God, you do listen. Now, now, he's not saying this is my cry that I hope you hear. Uh, I hope my prayer finds its way to you, but a statement of uh, assurance. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, hold open. Uh, if you will, there's Psalm 61, but we're going to go back uh, a few other chapters. Let's just look at some of the other words of David as he encourages us with God's presence. Uh, look back in Psalm chapter 10. Psalm chapter 10, if you have your Bibles there, Psalm chapter 10, we're going to look at a couple verses there. Look at verse 14 to start with. L- look at what David says there, uh, and it reiterates his confidence. Verse 14 of chapter 10, but you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Now drop down in verse uh, 17 and 18 uh, of chapter 10. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of this earth may terrify no more. Do you hear that confidence that God is there right in the middle of strife? Moving forward, Psalm chapter 18. Let's see again, David talking about confidence in the middle of that discouragement. Psalm chapter 18, verse 6. David says this, in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Man, David is, is just full of confidence that, that in the middle of, of the problem, God is there. Look at Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. Some of you might have this underlined in your Bibles. If you don't underline this, it's a cool verse. Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. David there says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. See, God promises to be with us and so when David starts out this this psalm he's 
He's saying, I think he's saying to God, to us, you listen, you listen. And, and I think there's, there's two things that he points out here. Let me, let me kind of separate them out. First of all, he says, hear my cry, O God. Uh, I, I think he listens to my cry. Uh, and, and I'm going to notice a, 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 separate, a separation or a difference there. God hears our cry. Our, uh, our grandson, Kyler, has, uh, and, and I, I don't understand why, uh, it's, it's gross, but my son, Kyler, has three pet rats. Uh, yeah, you, you need to ask your mom and dad if you can have a pet rat. Now, now when we saw them, they, if you look at just the body, they, they don't look too bad. They're maybe, you know, and I can't believe I'm saying this, maybe they're, they're kind of cute, but I can't get past that tail. I mean, that rat tails, they're, they're about that long, and it looks like a, oh, it looks like a snake or something. I just, ooh, and, and the kids loved it. I read a pet it, but I, I wouldn't even touch him. I wasn't scared. I was just like, I don't want to pet a rat. So, um, but my friend, my, my grandson Kyler has these, uh, these rats, and, and my grandkids love them. Uh, they, they pet them. They played with them. Uh, Cameron has a little deal where she sings a song, and the rat comes running around a corner and jumps into its cage. She sings a song. He'll be coming around the corner when he comes, and the rat follows her. Uh, it's ki- kind of cute, but it's still an ugly rat. And, and, and I, I watch them. They're walking around with these rats on their shoulders. It's like, oh. So, so we're looking at these rats, and Brian's introducing us to the, well, telling us, what, you know, they're not, hey, rat, this is your grandpa and he didn't do that but but he pointed out one rats what are their names snip and dixie and goober i don't know what it is but he's in he's showing us these rats and and he said their their favorite rat is snip or snits or snots or whatever it was and they, they like dixie okay but the other one we don't know her name uh they don't like her as much because she's what oh it's dixie they don't like okay dixie do we have any dixies here today okay good they don't like Dixie because Dixie's mean. And then Brian said, said Dixie has bitten Christy, uh, mom, which I'm wondering why Dixie's still alive when she bites, bites mom. But they, she's bit mom, and then she bit uh, Callie one time. Cameron, let me get it right. Just keep correcting me because I'll probably get it all. She, she bit Cameron one, one time. And, and Rita said this to Brian. She said, did she cry? And Brian said, oh, yeah. Now, I've heard, I've heard Cameron cry before. Um, they, they've come to the house before, and she's got knocked down with all the other grandkids there and skinned her knee, or, or she's got bumped, or she's got her feelings hurt, you know, like, like grandkids do. And, and I've, I, I can imagine the cry that she had when, when that rat bit her. Um, but I also can imagine, because I've seen this as well, I can imagine what happened after the rat bit her and she began to cry. I, I can imagine that, that Brian went and picked her up and held her in her arms. Now, her cry was, her cry was coming from a place where it seemed like her world was over. I, I've heard her cry that way. You would think she was dying. You would think the world was coming to an end. You think, you know, everything is so bad. She, she cries so hard and so, so bitterly as she cries. And, and I can imagine that, but, but I also know that her dad would have picked her up and consoled her. So, so note this, catch this. Her cry was, 
was also coming from a place of confidence. Her cry also probably came from a place of assurance. Now, now when that bat, that, that rat bit her, I, I, I know it hurt. I, I know that, that it didn't feel good. But I also know that there was no doubt in her mind. There was an unwavering confidence that her dad would pick her up and comfort her. David, David, I think, writes this psalm uh, from a place of confidence and, and unwavering belief that God was there. The, the pain was real. D- David's despair was real. He, this psalm was written either when David was fleeing from his son Absalom. Psalm chapter 3, we talked about that, was written from that place. Or it might have been when Saul was, was uh, pursuing David because David had been uh, anointed king to, to replace him. Either way, David was in a difficult place, in a difficult spot. His pain was real. His despair was real. But I think when he writes, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer, he's, he's, he's crying out from a place of confidence. Don't we know that we sometimes, sometimes we cry to God. Sometimes our prayers are are not even words. We're, we're like Cameron, crying out in pain, but knowing that someone's going to come, that someone's going to come. Now, now he, we, we'll delineate. It, it kind of maybe is a little different. He says, hear my cry, O God. And then he says, listen to my prayer. So, so we also understand that he listens to my call. When I just call on his name, he hears me. I mentioned last week that we, that we long to have our parents proud of us. And I I hope this week, and I know a couple of you mentioned something about it, I hope this week that you took time to, to verbally express to your children that you're proud of them. Uh, I'm proud of my kids. I mentioned that uh, last week. I, I'm proud of the way they love their children, and I love to watch their interaction because they know when they call their parents' name, when they call their dad or their mom's name, that their dad hears uh, several years ago, Rita and I were on the beach in uh, Seal Beach, California. Her mom lived there, and we, we would uh, go out and stay with her and then spend time on the beach. And we were, we were laying, laying out there, just Rita and I, so we were sitting out on the beach enjoying the sunshine and the weights. Doesn't that sound nice about right now? Why don't we all just leave and go to California or Florida? Some of you are leaving tonight for Florida, I hear, so uh, uh, God bless you, <laughs> sort of. Uh, but, but we were laying out on the... We, <laughs> We were laying out on the sand and listening to the waves and the sun speeding down on us. And I'm out of care in the world. I've got a book and got some headphones on. Well, I probably didn't have the headphones on because I heard something. And I heard a kid holler out, Dad. Now, my kids were, were 1,200 or 1,500 miles away, so I knew it wasn't one of my kids. And they're all grown anyway. So I knew it wasn't one of my kids. But, but I'm a dad, and when I heard, hey, Dad, I, I couldn't help but react. I kind of looked up. And I, I kind of, and then I heard the kid yell again, Dad! And I looked and I, I, I identified the kid. I saw it. He, he wasn't screaming from a, hey, Dad, I'm drowning type thing. It was just, Dad, I really need your attention. I want you here. He was standing at the edge of the ocean in the waves and he was yelling. And, and I began to scan. And in, in our little area of the beach, there, there had to be dozens of other dads there. And, and I looked at them and some of them were, had their heads down still reading a book some of them had headphones on listening to music there were others out in the waves playing around others that that just were sitting there doing nothing uh but as i scanned the the group of people 
I finally saw him. I saw the guy that was hearing dad, and it meant something different to him. Because he had jumped up, and I saw him doing the same thing I did, looking to figure out where, where is he. And then I saw him lock eyes with the boy and start heading that direction. He, he listens to us. He hears our cry. Man, when, we, when we're in despair and we're in distress and we're not sure how it's going to work out, we, we can still know that God's there. And, and even when we just call on Him, even when we just say His name, even when we, we, we just go to Him in prayer, He hears our, uh, our, our voice and recognizes our voice and knows who we are. Uh, see, God, D- David is saying you listen. And I think he's also saying here, you lead. Look at verse 2 again. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. A couple ways that could be interpreted. There's a couple things that might mean it. It literally might mean, as it kind of sounds on the surface, that no matter where I am, you come to me. From the ends of the earth, if I'm over there, you come to me. If I'm over here, you come to me. If I'm back there, no matter where I go, God, you're there. And, And it's okay to take it that way if that's what it means. That's that's a good thought, but it also might mean from the ends of the earth, it, he might be saying from the pit. From, he, might, he might be saying when I am as low as I can get. In fact, when I'm so low that I'm looking up to see bottom. That, that may be what he means when he says from the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher. Lead me to the rock that is higher than me. I, I think he's I think he says, lead me with your strength. Lead me with your strength. There's, there's a few ways that we might, uh, that we might interpret that when, it, when he says, I call as my heart grows faint. There's a couple ways that we might think that, that David means that. But here's the one that I think it is. And I'll be honest, I think it's this because this is the one I want it to be. Because this is the one I need to hear. Because this is the one that, hits me where I'm at and where, where I need to hear it. I think when he says, I, I call as my heart grows faint, I, I think what he's saying is, man, I call because I've waited to the last minute to call on you. My heart is faint because I tried everything else. I tried to do it on my own. I tried to do it with my strength. I tried to figure out how to get there on, on my ability and I just ran out of gas, and my heart is growing faint, and now I'm calling. Now, now maybe that's not right, but that's, that's what I think he means there. That's, what I, that's how I interpret it, because that's what I do a lot of times. I, I, I wait till I am wore out from worry. I wait till I am wore out from trying myself. I wait till I've exhausted all of my effort before I finally think, oh, yeah, God is there. I can find help and strength from him. I, I don't know, it's about five years ago, uh, my three boys, Brian, Joel, and Caleb, and my son-in-law, Nick, and a, a few of their friends, uh, I joined them uh, at a Tough Mudder in Topeka, Kansas. It was there at the, the, Air, Force, uh, uh, the airport, Air Force Airport there in, in South Topeka. And, and a Tough Mudder, if you're not familiar with that, is a race, although you're not really worrying about your time so much as just finishing the race. And it's kind of a, a team event. You gather a team together. And, and, and what it is is I think it, the, the run part of it was maybe 10 or 12 miles, which is ridiculous. But on top of that, there's, there's I don't know, 15 to 20 
obstacles throughout the race. Small things like just jumping over ditches, and but some of them you have to, to scale a tower. Others you have to climb up a tower and jump into a, a, a big tube. The, the, it ends with you running through this, this muddy path that's got these electrodes hanging down. And if you touch them, they shock you. That's how you end. Like, thanks for running 12 miles. Let's shock you to death. Which that was kind of fun to watch because people and go down like a, you know, it's like watching uh, a live PD or cops and they shoot them with the uh, the taser. That was pretty cool. But uh, but 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 we're at this tough mutter now. I may have misled you. Uh, I didn't run the tough mutter. <laughs> they did. I went along with the camera and I took pictures. So so I would go to some of the the cool spots and I'd take pictures of that, the guys did it and so. So I had ran ahead of them. We were getting about probably two, they were getting about two-thirds of the way through the race. And, and there was one place that all it was was a big old mud pit. You, you had to jump into it, wade across. I mean, it was just a, a quagmire of mud. And then climb out the other side. And it was a steep incline both sides. So I got there well ahead of them. And I, I stood there watching people do it. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm glad I'm out here with the camera and not having to do that. But there was this one guy. Um, I had no idea what he was thinking to be doing this race. And quite honestly, I don't know how he had ever got that far. He, 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 had to be, he had to be about six foot tall, and I'm guessing about 350 pounds. He was, he was an enormous man. And, and he got into the pit. That was not a problem. Yeah. You know, that's easy to get in the pit, isn't it? It's easy to get in the quagmire. It's easy to find ourselves. He didn't have any trouble climbing in. But boy, this poor guy was having trouble getting out. He would, he would, he would wade through and, and start up the side and almost get up, and his foot would slip, and down the slope he would slide. And I would be lying to you if I didn't say I was standing on the sideline laughing at him, uh, laughing with him, excuse me. No, he wasn't laughing. Uh, laughing at him. Uh, and, and he just kept trying and trying. Up he would go, and then down he would slide again. And, and, and then people would be coming, and he'd have to get out of the way, and he'd stand there and pan a little bit, and then he'd try to go up again, and, and then he would slide right back down in the mud. And I watched him, and I watched him, and, and I watched several people say, hey, we'll help you, and he waved them off like, nope, 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 I'm good. I can do it. Uh, and finally, my, uh, my, my sons and, and uh, son-in-law all ride, went through the pit, climbed out, and that guy was still there. I, I should have gone on to, to catch their necks, but I thought, I, I just got to stay here a little while longer. <laughs> Is he ever going to make it out of the pit? And finally, finally, finally he gave up and said, okay, will you help me? And two or three guys on the bottom side pushed and a couple on the top side pulled, and, and they literally drug him out. Uh, you know, the beach well symbolism, and they, they literally drug him out, and he slid down the other side of it. He lay there for the longest time. And I'm sitting there thinking, how is he ever going to finish? How is he ever going to do the other stuff that he has to do? And I, I, I end up seeing some of those. There were some things that I, there's, I just don't know how he ever, ever did it. But, but guys, sometimes, sometimes we're like that guy. And maybe that's what David's saying here. I call as my heart grows faint. I call because I finally realized I can't do it myself. And, and you want to lead me. You want to, you want to help me out of the mire. You want to help me out of this spot, but, but I have to let you do it. I have to let you have control. I, 
uh, I have to let you lead me. He, he goes on, and I, I'll just, just touch on this, and we're, we're about done here. He says, lead me to the rock that is higher than me. So where does, where does God lead us with his security? He leads us with his strength, but, but then he places us somewhere that's secure. We, we, we have visions of, of, of God doing that. For, for Moses, he was on a mountain when God gave the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. For, for Elijah, when God passed in front of him, there, he, he was in, in, in the top, on the top of a mountain, in, back in a cave, in a cleft of a rock, and and he puts us on a place of security. He takes us, now catch this, to a place that's higher than us. Now, they probably would have understood from military terms, you want the high ground. They would have understood it from just, just the beauty of it. You want to be high so you can see. But, but to a place that's higher than us. God wants to take us when, when we finally admit that we need his help, that that, that he will lead us. He takes us to a place that gives us strength. When I was growing up in southern Illinois, I had no idea what a mountain was. Uh, for me, a mountain was Harvey's Hills. Harvey's Hills were uh, some hills out the, the, the backside of, of my hometown of Woodlawn where, where, motor, where, where we went on motorcycles to try to climb these hills. And, and they were some pretty steep hills. And, and it was kind of cool. Now, I never was able to get my motorcycle up on top, but but there's a way to get to the top from, that you weren't from the bottom. And, and it was cool to stand up on the top of Harvey's Hills. And I thought, wow, this is cool. Then I, I went to Joplin one time. My sister went to college there before I did. And we drove across southern Missouri. I'd never been across southern Missouri. And I, I saw the, the, the hills that are around Rolla, between, or between St. Louis and Rolla, and, and, and going up and down I-44. And I thought, wow, these are cool. You get up to the top of a hill. And that, man, you can see for a long way. This is really neat. And, and then I went to a to a CIY conference in the Kaimichi Mountains of, of uh, northern Oklahoma. And, man, we, we climbed some mountains, those Kaimichi mountains, Kaimichi mountains, and, boy, were they ever cool. Man, you're up on top of these tree-lined mountains looking down. It just, wow, that was something special. And then we finally went to Colorado. And then I saw mountains. And then I understood why Harvey's Hill was called Harvey's Hill. <laughs> Should have been Harvey's bump in the road. Uh, but I saw I saw what a mountain looked like. David says, he leads. He leads me to a place of security, to a, to a rock, to a place that's higher than me. But we have to let him. And, and then, then finally, he has one, one more thought. We'll finish with this. Look at verse, uh, verse 3 and 4. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Again, a, somewhat of a military term that, that if you're Walls around it and a tower. A tower would be a place of security. Uh, you've been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever, to take refuge in the shelter of your wings. He says, I long, I long to remember. You have been my refuge. That, that's why David isn't, isn't praying out of despair and uncertainty when he says, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. Because he remembered. He remembered when God was there. See, Callie, when she, or Cameron, when she cried out when that, that, that rat, Dixie, bit her, she cried out because it hurt. It, it, it hurt. I'm sure it did. But she also cried out knowing 
with confidence that Brian would come running, would pick her up in her arms, would say, what happened to you? Oh, he bit your finger. Let me look at it. And oh, that's not so bad. You're going to be okay. He knew that God or that she knew that that Brian would be there. And, and David is, is saying here, and, and church, he's saying that to us as, as a reminder to us to, to remember when we find ourselves there, to remember that God has been our refuge. Each time we encounter a trial and God shows up, he's making an investment into our memory bank. Now, now maybe today you're in one of those places like David was in Psalm 3. And you're crying out and you're praying and you're not sure that God hears you. I'll I'll guarantee you from experience, I'll guarantee you from testimony after testimony of God's people that when you come out the other side, you'll look back and you'll understand, yes, God was there. Even when he didn't hear me, I didn't think he heard me. He was there and he was hearing my voice. And that will be a, a memory that the next time you're there to know God did remember you. And then David says he longs, he longs to, to remain. Don't, don't miss the point. We have a rock to stand on. God has been there with us. God will continue to be there with us as we call out to him. Brian, Brian Lortz tells a story uh, about a time when he was a, uh, a young child. He said his, his dad was on a business trip and had set his briefcase on the counter of a uh, uh, of a car rental uh, uh, building and turned to, to do something. And when he turned around, his briefcase was gone. Someone had had swiped his briefcase. And when he got home that night, he began to talk to his kids and he told them what had happened. And uh, Brian Lord says his younger brother David said, "Well, let's let's pray." Let's pray that someone will send that briefcase back. And, and, and Brian said, and, and their dad was a preacher, and Brian was, was, was his dream was to become a preacher, which, which he did. And, and, and so they kind of looked at his brother and kind of just snickered like, there's no way that we'll ever get that briefcase again. But, 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 but they said, okay, let's do it. So, so they rolled their eyes a little bit, but they prayed at the dinner table that night that the, the briefcase would return for for weeks, every night at the prayer time, uh, at prayer time, when 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 the dad asked, "Well, what do you want to pray about?" His his brother David would say, "Let's not to forget that to, to pray that Dad's briefcase will get returned to us." And and uh, Brian said it got so bad that that even his dad began to say to David, "David, maybe maybe we ought to find something else to pray about. Maybe we ought to find something else to to bring before the Lord." Lord says it was about two months later when his dad got a phone call. A guy had found the briefcase in uh, a dumpster, and on the inside of the briefcase, most of the stuff was gone, but there was a card with his dad's name and address and phone number, and he called and says, uh, says to him, do you want me to mail it back to you? Do you want me to send it back to you? So when he got home that night at the dinner table, he kids, hey, kids, you're never going to believe this. You're never going to believe this. I got a call today, and my briefcase has been found. He said, None of them believed it except for one, his brother David. See, he had trusted all along that the briefcase would show up. David cries out to God in his despair. You only have to read Psalms to realize sometimes he cries out because he feels like God's not there. 
Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we cry out and we're not sure God's hearing us. And that's okay. But, but note here, he cries out from a place of confidence. A place of knowing that God was there. Would you bow with me? Father, we will, we will all be in that place. We will be at the bottom. We'll be at the far ends of the earth, crying out to you, calling your name, hoping that you're there. Father, we pray this morning that, that your, your truth and the evidence of you being there with us so many times in the past will be what motivates us. That we can cry in our pain, we can call in our despair and know that you're there and know that you will hear us, that you will lead us. Father, help us help us re- resolve to live in that place of confidence. Lord, be with the ones here this morning that are struggling, that are unsure. Give them that reassurance that you are their refuge in times of trouble. Amen.